Yo guys, welcome back to the podcast Well, um, yeah, we've recently had I'm doing amazing. How are you, Andy? I am very, very well. A bit tired after, obviously, the long recording session we had yesterday, but uh, I don't know when this is coming out versus that, but yeah, uh, I'm doing doing better today. I've had a day off as well today, so. <laughs> yeah, we, we are never, ever doing a four and a half hour podcast ever again. That was <laughs> hard work, but we have got well, how do we how do we describe this gentleman? Well, we'll say TV chef royalty in Simon Woods. How are you, sir? I'm good. Are you? Yeah, I'm not too bad. Not too bad. Thank you so much for coming on. Um, nice. okay. how, how's how's things been treating you? How's life? Do you know what? It's, it would be easy to be negative, but I'm not going to be. Uh, it's it's good. You know, we're doing our best. We're we're, we're doing our home deliveries from the Cheltenham restaurant, which is like we're doing a weekender box, which is quite cool. So much food in there. You get like Saturday night, three courses, big Sunday fry up, and then um, Sunday afternoon, Sunday lunch with dessert and stuff. So that's quite cool. Uh, and that's going nationally the same as the boxes from Manchester. So we're working um, on what we can to try and get through, you know, the, the period that hospitality is in. We're not making anything, but it, it will stop debt accruing. Um, and when hopefully we can open in a bit of normality and start to do what we do best, which is cook people that are in front of us having a good time. Yeah, definitely. As you say, it's, it's really, really difficult at the minute. Obviously, uh, the UK being in a complete national lockdown, a lot like the rest of the world with this awful virus. But... um. I want to turn the clocks back a little bit and go back to yeah. sort of better times. Um, how did you start? What what made you uh, want to become a chef when you were sort of younger and things? Um, I just I like food. I was I'm, I'm still am one of those weird people that likes anything. It doesn't matter. I mean, I've got my preferences the same as anybody. But if you put it in front of me, and I, I will eat it more often than not, you know, unless it's like raw chicken or something like that, but you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm not, and I've always been like that as a kid, so food's always interested me, and you know, I spent a lot of time cooking with my grandma at weekends, and that's where I got to see things like rabbit being prepared, and you know, the northern delicacy that is tripe, and all kinds of different bits and bobs, and that just intrigued me, and like food became part of life, and that's, that's, that's just the way it was. It's a it's a passion. There's there's no other reason for it. It's just that it's it's what you love. Yeah, definitely. I I, I um I dabbled. I I dabbled in, in chefing for a bit. I, I worked with kitchens and with chefs and things. Um, it's definitely a, a lifestyle choice, and it's something that you you sign up for for life and, and sort of sign on that dotted line. So um, yeah, hopefully things will will get better. Um, obviously with the pandemic and things, but. I'm going to throw over to Andy because he has got lots of questions and things written. I'm the one. I'm. I do the intro, but I do no prep for the podcast. Oh, really. right. So you know what we're doing. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so for me personally, um, I've been like a, for those who don't know, Simon the one Master Chef in 2015, um, and genuinely, um, don't mean to like fanboy and stuff, but like he's both mine and my wife's favorite Master Chef contestant ever. Like you know, when whenever we're watching. <laughs> 
Master Chef are always like, um, you know, it says next time on Master Chef, it's like you're one of the three judges. Uh, and so I'm like, oh, Simon's on it and stuff. And like, and then when I found out about your music preferences, that made it like I was like, oh, right, yeah. So <laughs> yeah. in our books, yeah, it's, it's really cool. Um, so I've actually applied for Master Chef a couple of times myself. Yeah. Because uh, when I was younger, I always wanted to be a chef, and I love cooking. Um, haven't been anywhere past the uh, application stage, unfortunately. Um, but you know, I keep trying, keep trying. Yeah. Just um, keep going. That's all you can do. I was going to ask. Was that did when you got into MasterChef? Was that the first time that you'd applied, or had you applied a few times? Or no, no. I mean, the, the story goes that yeah, I, I went into the office one morning and I had an email off my boss. He really pissed me off. So it was about <laughs> seven o'clock in the morning. I just like shut my emails and started like buggering about on Facebook, like you do, seeing what's going on. It was Ping, who actually I've just been talking to tonight. All right, yeah. Some amazing pork belly that she's made, so she'll be she'll be glad of the mention there because her pork belly is fantastic. But going back onto topic, Ping had just won, and in the cookies there on Facebook, it said, um, Can you be the next champion? So I was like, Well, you know what? I've always been that guy at home, like, like some of you guys might be watching whatever it might be, whether it's a singing show, a talent show, or a cooking show. and We've all got an opinion when we're sat there on the sofa with a, a couple of beers watching it. You know, we've all got something to say. I was that guy with MasterChef, but I have watched it through being a kid, and I, you know, I, I can cook. It's like I wasn't just talking for the sake of it. Anyway, I applied in temper, and whatever I said was really passionate enough to catch the eye. And so I, I, I applied, and then uh, I had a couple of telephone interviews after that. Different things lasting from various times, from maybe twenty minutes up to an hour and a half talking about different things and then you end up taking a dish uh, out, mine was to a hotel in Manchester so you take it Brett and they film you just like we're doing now and um, you talk and plate the dish up that you've already produced and the producers are there and they'll, they'll ask you questions in between and things like that and um, that, you know, that's, that's where that went so I got through that and then first time applying got straight onto the show and and went and won it, so it was, it was a good decision. <laughs> when I was that angry. Oh, that's <laughs> or, fantastic! Or brave, one of the two. Yeah, it's like everyone's always said to me many times that I should apply, and I've always applied. But um, I think my my biggest issue that held me back at first is like, what if I get accepted? It's that sort of fear of like the unknown. It's like, oh my god, if I get accepted, you know, what's the chances of me actually getting through and stuff like that? That's because uh, it's like, oh my god. Honestly, it doesn't matter. It's a, it's a great experience. That you know, the production team down there, John, Greg, you know, David, and the, the two Davids, and you know, um, they're, they're fantastic. The guys down there, and um, you, you're really, really, uh, it's it's, a, it's like the, the MasterChef family, and you become part of it. And it sounds quite cliche, but that's what it is. And you you go through so much together that no matter what, you've got friends for life, whether you want them or not. Yeah, yeah. It's um. I mean, I've watched like MasterChef even when I was little, like when it was on a Sunday night with uh, Lloyd Gross. Was it Lloyd Gross when he used to present? Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. It was like a very different format. It used to be quite, it used to be quite official, like formal. Like they'd all go and eat, and then they'd all go and sit in this room, and there'd be like a big sort of like chat about it. And then obviously it came back, and I didn't actually start watching it until um, Natalie won it in was it 2012. She won, I think. Or uh, yeah. Uh, no, she was 2013, I think. Yeah. I think Drew was 2012. Right, okay, yeah. Right, okay, yeah. So that's I what think, we started watching it again. Yeah. That's in my knowledge. 
Uh, yeah, so I so then from that point onwards, that's when I started watching it, and then people like have like even started off applications for me and sent it through. So I was, yeah, yeah I keep trying. You know, it's just uh, it's one of those things. So uh, obviously, like you sort of think like because um, you obviously have the thing where you cook either a starter and a main or a main and a, a dessert. And I think with um, with my main, I've always wanted to cook a parmo, which is quite a tea side thing. Yes. Oh, so uh, there was a lad that did that, wasn't there? I remember it. Yes. Um, yeah, and he, he got quite a good feedback. Like everyone was like, "Oh my god, that's that sounds awful." Yeah, it's, but... is it like is it a chicken parmo or something like that? It's like chicken yeah. cheese ham. Some is that what it is? I remember. Yeah, it's basically it? it's a it's Somewhere. a chicken breast uh, pounded, uh, covered in breadcrumbs, yeah. uh, deep fried, and then vegetable sauce and then cheese, and it goes under yeah. the grill for a bit. And uh, you have it with chips and garlic sauce in Teesside. Yeah. So it's, uh, yes. Yeah, I'm from down south originally, but I've lived up in, uh, in Teesside for most of my life now. And it's, uh, yeah, having a parmo. They say that only an uh, Olympic swimmer can actually eat one without any sort of calorie uh, deficiency <laughs> or something. So it's, uh, yeah, so it's quite, uh, it's quite been, um, calorific. You've been trying to sell that to us Dan Southerners for absolutely ages. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just not going to work. I reckon after a night on the town, though, it does the job. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're amazing. That's, everyone in Teesside, their first parma is, uh, is definitely uh, uh, after a night out. I, yeah. I, I can't wait for my christening when, I, when we finally all meet after <laughs> lockdown and everything. Come up there, get get to a gig and, and have a parma afterwards. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So, um, with um, obviously, once you won MasterChef, uh, did you know that you wanted to go into, because obviously you had a job, uh, you were a data scientist, is that right? Yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah, so after you, did you, like, go straight back into work, or, like, what's the sort of timeline from when you finished filming to when so, it came out to when you, like, left and went on? There's a there's a three-month gap. Um, so I think, kept the dates right in my head, I won on January the 22nd, and the show for final was aired on April the 25th. So it, in, in this time, um, I'd gone back to work. But there's a, there's a little bit of a, a story behind that, which I'll go into in a minute, because it's, it's, it's quite entertaining, I think, for people. <laughs> but, um, you know, so three months is a long time to go back to your day job. And I'm sat there thinking, <laughs> I've got MasterChef. And oh obviously, the show, the show runs over six weeks, but... It's filmed. My first interview at the hotel that we talked about was in September. Yeah. And then the next, I was on the first week of Heaps, more or less, I think. And then um, filming started the, the last week in September. And I, my last day of filming was obviously the 22nd of January. So it's a long time. So I was using every excuse under the sun at work. Like I, I, I was going to, you know, uh, universities to cook with Michael Keynes. I've been to Stockholm. Um, you know, we've been to Theo Randall's restaurant down in Mayfair. We've done all the heats in the kitchen. And I was booking holidays, um, saying that I couldn't come in, kind of work from home, having a few personal problems, etc., etc. Um, and by the time it got to the last week in uh, the heats, you filmed me for a solid week, and my boss had me in. And he's like, Look, you're not yourself something's going on why are you having all this time off <laughs> so, so i laid it on pretty thick about having this terrible personal issue etc people thought i was dying basically without a word of a lie. people coming up to me saying it's are you i'm just asking if you're okay are you, are you ill or you know and i'm no it's a long story best left untold 
going about my day as much as I can. So anyway, in this meeting when it's crunch time and the boss is saying, "What's going on? Why? Aren't, what? What's going on? You know, something, something's wrong." So I said, it's, "It's a personal thing. I could do with a bit of time this week to sort it out, and then I can get my head back in the game. Is it all right if I take that week?" So I booked that week as holiday, and I said, "And on the Monday, the week after that, I've, it's random, but I applied for MasterChef, and they asked me to go for an interview." So, do you mind if I go? I'm already in the final by this time. So my boss thinks <laughs> oh. I've rocked up for the first little chat about it, and I'm already there. And so that that's how that's how that worked out. Um, and obviously, I went back to work on on the the 22nd. Oh, well, it wouldn't have been the 22nd. That was a Thursday. I went back on the Monday after that, and um, you know, carried on as normal. And everyone thought that I'd, I'd, I'd not done very well in MasterChef, and it was gone. And I'd put my problems behind me and Simon's back in the data science game and off we go for the next three months until that day when the first advert comes on and you pop up on TV running around <laughs> with a tray. Uh, so, yeah, that's the story of like my well, my journey from work into MasterChef. Wow, that's really cool. What was the reaction then when they finally realised that you were actually all this time on MasterChef? <laughs> Yeah. Do you know what? No, they were great. I got so much support. Right? Fantastic. I worked there a long time. I'd worked there 10 years, which is why they knew there was something wrong. Um, everybody, you know, I knew everyone there. I knew everyone inside out. I still got some good friends from there. And it's, they, they supported me right the way through, you know, the night of the final when it was aired on TV. And I, we had the room where, it's actually the room where I had the first interview in the Aurora Hotel in uh, Manchester, just near Chinatown. It's not called that now, I forget the name of it, but um, we had it there and I'd done really well all night. I was, everyone's elated that you're in the final. And to me, it's old news. I, all yeah. I'm thinking is I've got no media training. Tomorrow, my life's upside down. I'm on the red sofa on live TV and I've never been on live TV before. Plus, <laughs> I've been being a data scientist again for three months so we don't talk to anybody <laughs> you know, like, and we carried on like that and it got to 15 minutes before the the announcement and and i'd been really good and had a couple of pints of guinness nice and settled and then the nerves kicked in so i'm sat on the front row there's a video of it if you look online you can see my son like rubbing my back but what you can't see in the video is i've got a champagne glass and a, a bottle of bolly <laughs> <laughs> in 15 minutes I smashed this bottle of champagne and, was, and, and it wasn't because I was nervous about winning it's because I was worried about going on the red sofa in the morning <laughs> so, you know so everyone's elated but to you it's not it's not new news yeah it's, it's what happens now because you've been thinking about that and can't do a you know a damn thing around it for for all that time so it's, it's quite a strange thing. I wouldn't say it spoils it because it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, but it definitely, it's not the same as, for example, playing the cup final and winning on penalties. It's not like that <laughs> um, because you know what's coming and no one else does. So the journey for the, the winner is very different to everybody else that's watching it. It's oh, that's, still brilliant. At, yeah, that's, that's awesome. at what point, um, obviously there must be a point in the process where you get to the semi-final or the final, where you're thinking, hang on a minute, lads, I, I might have just do this. I might, do you know what I mean? Because obviously you, you go through stage one and all the rest of thinking, yeah, you've got confidence, but there's got to be a tipping point where you go, hang on a minute, I might have a real shot here. Do you know, did you have that at all? Yeah, for me, the confidence didn't come at the start. Everything about MasterChef, for me, 
was difficult apart from the food. That's dead honest. Yeah. And I'm not. I, I, I'm fine now, but at the time I wasn't a great public speaker. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd speak when I needed to, but I, I, I wouldn't go out and like speak for the sake of it. It just wasn't my nature. I'd just get on with it, listen to everything, take the best bits from here and there, and then produce what I was doing as I went. But the first day, if you watch it back, I'm like shaking, <laughs> like really bad. Um, and it took a lot. And the, we stayed in the Holiday Inn on Stratford High Street. And I thought the night before, right, I'm, I'm going to have something proper to eat, more or less. Anyway, I had steak and chips. And I thought I'm going to have a bottle of wine, bottle of red wine. And I thought I'm going to get an early night. So half past nine, quarter to ten, in bed. 20 past 12, wide awake. <laughs> and then I lay there all night then. You know, like, I've drunk this bottle of wine. That didn't do the job. You lay there, pint of water, up and down to the loo, all the stuff. Fell asleep like everybody else at maybe five o'clock, quarter to five. And then the, the roll call was half past six. So my alarm went off at, at quarter to six. Um, and I'd had like probably like three hours sleep. So I'm thinking, oh God, what's going on? I'm, I'm so tired and my head hurts because I've drunk a bottle of wine. So I went and got four espressos, <laughs> like, like you do. And I ate a few cereal bars with loads of sugar because it was on the buffet and that's, that's just what I could get. I didn't want them, but I forced them in. And then, um, we went and filmed the show, so I've got a hangover, no sleep. I'm shaking because <laughs> I've drunk too much coffee. Then I'm thrown into the adrenaline of the MasterChef kitchen. So yeah, I'm like a pneumatic drill by this point, <laughs> like, just shaking around. But, you know, we, we get through it. And then, you know, going back to your earlier point is, at what point did you know? There's, there's something about MasterChef, and unless you're very callous, and it was, certainly wasn't for me, and it's not for anyone that I spoke to since, you walk around afterwards, and the one thing that you're thinking is, because some of the dressing downs you get when you're being judged mm. can be quite harsh. When you've put everything into it and it's not gone right, and someone tells you that, it's difficult. It's always honest, but it's still difficult. And you walk around thinking, has anybody done worse than me? Mm. <laughs> so you're looking yeah. at all the plates, and you're having a look, and you think, that's a state, might be all right. <laughs> that's a mess, I'm all right. And... You, you get through it like that and you keep going. But I, there was there was one person that said to me throughout my journey that said, you could go in there and cook a fucking bacon sandwich, mate, and you'll still win it. <laughs> you know, and that's that's the way that's the way it went. And I got to a point where and I, I have to be honest, you know, I, I was I felt unstoppable. And I'm pretty sure that I was, you know, I don't want to I don't want to come across as bullshit or, or cocky or anything like that. It's, it's not what I am. But. What I've gone on to achieve since, in my opinion, is, I mean, there's like Thomasine has done fantastic. Everyone's that's got to the final and won stuff has all done fantastically well. But I consider to be batting in an arena with the, some of the best chefs in the country now. Um, not quite. I'm not where I want to be. I'm not saying I'm there. I, I will be. That's, mm. that's where, where I, I've got it's. It's my passion. It's my dream. I want a Michelin star. I, I want the accolades that come with being one of the best chefs in the country. And there's great chefs all throughout the country that don't come from where I've come from. And that makes it difficult. That's a dead honest statement. It takes a while to be accepted. Um, and even now, there's still bits that aren't. And it's because of where you've come from. Um, but I'm looking where I'm, I'm going and not where I've been. Very grateful for my, my MasterChef springboard and platform. It'll always be a dear place in my heart. 
but I want to look at where I'm going. And, you know, I, I want accolades. I'm determined. I think my food at the minute is the best it's ever been. And I wish lockdown would bugger off so that I could show people properly. Um, without a curfew, without restrictions, without anything, just, you know, I'm a... I'm a 40 cover restaurant. We do 10 course, seven course, and five course tasting menus. Um, we're open four days a week. It's it's not a, 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 a risk environment. Um, mm. It's all table service. It's you know you're very separated. I want you to have your personal dining experience. So before all the you know the the decisions about two meter distance, one meter distance. You know, sat down, masks on, stood up, masks off, sat down, etc. All, all the nonsense that's surrounded this without any evidence. Let's just throw that little bit <laughs> And we were like that anyway. Mm. So, you know, I'd, I'd like to be given the chance to really show people where, where we've got to because I've completely overhauled the concept of the restaurant, um, the, particularly the Manchester restaurant, not the Cheltenham one, um, throughout lockdown and we've opened up for the better and got a taste of it and now i'm i'm really hungry to give people a taste of what we can do i say i was was gonna say uh pardon the pun but all the best chefs are always really hungry to strive and do better because it is a case of you know people a lot of people say like in life you should stay in your lane and not worry about what other people are doing but you can't help it in this in in your industry because you want to be top dog you want to be top of the game and you know as you you cannot help but be inspired by good food Mm, it doesn't matter who cooks it yeah definitely one little bit of a tiny a, a big mess of a plate but there's one little bit in it where you go that's genius. What yeah. can I do with that? And how can I elevate that and take that concept and make it into my own? And everybody does that. It's not cheating or no, of course. anything else. Otherwise, there'd only be one person in the world eating egg on toast, <laughs> wouldn't there? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's uh, that actually really takes us on to the, the next point I wanted to make. So one thing I've been really impressed with over the uh, whole of like lockdown and stuff is... Um, how much you have been sort of shouting up for the catering industry. I think like quite often, like especially at the start, um, I'd switch on TV and like you were given an interview on like Good Morning Britain or something uh, about something. And I, I, I agree fully about what you say about the catering side of things that, you know, that there's like a level of distrust that I think comes from the government that I think is what's, that's actually what's annoying people. And I think it's that where obviously I know we can't like be fully trusted on everything, but I think when you can sort of trust like I mean I go into Morrison's all the time and it's like and it's always rammed. Yeah. And there's no, you know, at first everyone was amazing at security guards and stuff like that, but now it's just like a free for all. And then you're sort of going like, you know, whereas you can't control like obviously like loads of people going around someone's house for Christmas or something, yeah. you know, or like for a birthday. There's could be like 10, 20 people in there. But like obviously, when you go to a restaurant and you're like, you can, the people working there can control that and make sure that everyone is socially distanced, make sure that everybody is. And it's like you're almost because they've taken away the trust, people are going behind the government's back. Yeah. And I think that's the issue where, like, obviously, if there was a bit of trust, and as I said, you know, not everyone, I think, not everyone could be should be led by their by hand. I think, or some people should be led by their hand. Sorry, but. I do, I do agree with you that like, it's strange how like some places can stay open. I know you've adapted to it, but it's uh, for me, it's like it's, it is just frustrating because I've got loads of friends who work in catering, uh, and you know they, you know they've just like lost their jobs and stuff, you know. But then yeah. you've got like 
you know, Redka, where I live, is very famous for it. It's like literally, I think every other shop is a pizza shop, and they're all yeah. open. And then, like, I walk past, um, there's like a new restaurant that's opened up around the corner from ours, like just about a year before, and that's closed down now. Yeah. And then I think, so I think one thing that I was really impressed with at the start of lockdown was how much you were shouting out for the, um, the uh, catering industry. But then, what you've gone on to do since then, like you said, it is, uh, which I found amazing, was the fact that you've uh, put out loads of recipes for lower-income families. Uh, there was one you put up the other day, and my wife went, oh, I wouldn't mind making that, actually. <laughs> I think it was something to, uh, something to do with, uh, I think, meatballs or something. I can't remember exactly. Yeah, how, but... how to make eight sausages feed um, four people for two days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's fantastic. And then you did something, and I'll be honest, like, I, I've done this. As you, obviously, people can't see, but I've got the smallest of people. And you put, um, was it a lasagna in a sandwich or something? Or Oh, no, the, the, the cottage pie toasty. Yeah, yeah, it's cottage pie toasty. I did that, like, two days beforehand. My daughter yeah. couldn't finish the tea that I made her, and she had loads of mints left over. So next day, I whacked it in a toasty. And then, like, a couple of days... Though, when, you think, when you put the process in your head, right, we've all had a shepherd's pie, cottage pie... You know, any, anything like that. Um, even take it round, anything that's made with mince, at some point, you'll put a piece of bread with it. So if you have kima, you'll put a chapati with it. If you have chilli, you'll put a tortilla with it. If you have a shepherd's pie or a cottage pie, you'll have a slice of, like, orange warbies or whatever, and you'll make yourself, you know, a, a sandwich with it. So putting it in, a, like, even with lasagna with mince in there, you're going to have, like, a slice of garlic bread with it. Whatever it happens, if you've got mince, at some point, it's going with a bit of bread. So making a toasty in my head is the most obvious thing to do. But the, the amount of people that went, you can't put cottage pie in a toasty. <laughs> Why you can't you? Can. <laughs> Take two tablespoons off every plate, and that's your lunch for tomorrow. Done. Yeah. <laughs> and it, and it, I'll be honest, it tastes amazing. You know, I'm yeah. not gonna lie. It tastes absolutely amazing. I think one thing I saw, I don't know if you've ever heard of this before, if it's something you do. But, like, someone said if you actually put mayonnaise on the outside rather than butter, apparently mayonnaise has, like, a lower, higher smoking point or something. And right. because it's oil in the mayonnaise, it actually almost fries the bread a tiny bit. It's not healthy. But like, I was like, mayonnaise. There's never like, anything like, healthy about a toasty. Exactly. <laughs> no. Like, so, yeah, you're already having a toasty. You may as well make, go the full, full hog. And, like, I'm going to so try I, that, you know. That's, I tried that's it. to me that. I'm going to have a go. Let's put a bit of mayonnaise on the outside. And then, like you know, put it on bottom side down, then like spread it on the top, flip it over. And I'll be, I'll be honest. You think about it, though. It's like eggy bread, isn't it? Because you've yeah. got egg in the mayonnaise, and then it's made with oil. So technically, you're making pampadou. It's French toast, but it's just made with mayonnaise. Yeah, honestly, since then I've like <laughs> probably it's, just it's nothing like pampadou, but it's, it's, <laughs> it's correlations there somewhere. Yeah. It's yeah, it's amazing. Like so, yeah, I just definitely wanted to try it because I was, uh, I was like, there's no way this will work, but I'll try it because that's the one thing about I do like food and I'll always try new things. Um, and yeah, that absolutely blew me away. It was like I was like, right, I'm never making toasties any other way again. So yeah, and then like I said, that's how I made the the mince uh, tasty. The the weird the. The weirdest food combination is one that Andy gave me a few weeks ago. <laughs> I knew this was coming up. Go on, then. I, it's, it's, what do you say? It's cheese, coffee, and honey. Yeah. And it was... Just for the uh, non-audio, uh, Simon's face just then just gave <laughs> such a look. It was just <laughs> I'm intrigued because on, on one of my dishes at the minute, right? I've got 
parsnip and vanilla with fermented blueberry and cocoa nib that works with venison. So I'm trying to think how I can get <laughs> your ingredients. Like, because if I say that to someone, people go, why? <laughs> and it's like, it's great. So I'm just trying to, I'm actually trying to think. How how was it put together, please? I was yeah, I was at work and uh, one of my colleagues came up to me. She went, "Oh, I tell you what, Ray. She says you like cooking, don't you?" I was like, "Yeah." She said, "Jamie Oliver or someone uh, said it was um, you get like a little bit of cheese and then you do like a tiny bit, like half a teaspoon of honey, and then like just a little a few granules of coffee." Cheese and honey, I get that. That works perfect. <sighs> I don't know why the coffee. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's got to be granulated coffee, obviously not like uh, a yeah. ground coffee, because otherwise that will like get stuck in your teeth. But I promise you, I mean, Reese wasn't impressed. But... <laughs> I was not impressed. <laughs> but uh, I, I absolutely love it. It's one of those I have guests around. I go like bring a plate round of this, like cheese and honey and, and coffee. I actually, yeah, no, it might work. It might work at some point. I actually just I, I just I messaged the group chat after I was like Andy you're having me on now I've just gone into my kitchen <laughs> I'm in front of my mother and made this and she's looking at me as if I'm, I've gone nuts <laughs> so, yeah, started... another weird food combination and this comes from when I was 16 and got my first part time job like any other 16 year old there's very few places you can go and I ended up with, with the best of them at McDonald's <laughs> like, like we do on Oldham High Street met some great friends there and had a great time doing it it was good fun um but you know the chocolate donuts that you get from McDonald's? It's a ring donut with like dips, one half in chocolate. Next time you have one, I don't like donuts. I used to eat them then at some point, or they were left at the end of the night, so I was just eating them for the sake of it. Um, but if you dip it in the McDonald's sweet curry sauce, <laughs> it works a treat. <laughs> There's a lot of cinnamon in that sauce, so it kind of lends itself to a donut as well. But try it. It's... Uh, it's intriguing, but it works. It's just a weird food combination that's popped up at some point in my life. <laughs> I think I'm okay, I will I'm always I'm always for uh, trying out new uh, combinations. That's brilliant. So we're on this, obviously like moving on to the subject of uh, say dodgy food and weird food. Uh, we'll go on to download and download TV. Yes. Um, like I had such I, a good time doing that in the summer. It was yeah, it was amazing because I, I actually got invited on to uh, download TV. It's like I had an interview with me and my daughter. And I was a part of, it was Kylie Olsen, the uh, one yeah, yeah. Who, who does the um, uh, download highlights. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. I, I've got friends with two people who run the, the download forums. And I, I've got no issues with public speaking or anything like that. And I've got like a little YouTube channel and stuff like that. So they asked me, do I want to go on? I was like, yeah, sure. So I had a chat and stuff. And it was, it was, it was a lot of fun. You know, it was, yeah. uh, it was cool. But obviously, like the thing is, I actually cooked all of the uh, dinners because... Yorkshire pudding, Yorkshire puddings at download on a Sunday when you've had a hard like five days of like drinking and eating crap food. Yeah, yeah. Having that on a Sunday, like mid afternoon, watching a band on the main stage is amazing. So I was really yeah. glad that's the one you picked because for me, that's like epitome of download food. But how did, did you like approach them or did they approach you? How did that happen? Uh, <laughs> honestly, I can't remember. Uh, <laughs> what happened? I don't know. I don't know if we kind of just got chatting on on Twitter or something like that. And then there was a, a brief conversation about doing a couple of things. And my friend's a videographer, uh, Sai, and we, we got to talking around it and thought, well, we'll do this. And my cocktails at the restaurant, um, they're all named after my favorite oh, yeah. albums of all time. So we've got like Watch Out, um, we've got um, In Blue, yeah, Hysteria, um, 
what's you know load loads of different ones that that are just that just work with the bands that I like and songs that mean something to me at some point. So we did the shot in the dark cocktail with the the giant you know, was it the shot in the dark? No, it wasn't. It was the 1987 um, that we did. It's a smoky old fashioned at the end of the day. Um, but we, we did that with the, the giant Yorkshire pudding, and that's um, that's Sunday afternoon at download to get you back on the road. Giant Yorkshire pudding, shot of whiskey, and then real <laughs> half the time. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, yeah, really. I mean, to be fair, download they 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 were amazing that weekend for what they yeah. did. It was like um, it was like it actually made me because I missed the download before that because um, I went uh, here we go. It's bingo time. I went to the Formula One. Yeah. Every podcast I mentioned Formula One, <laughs> so, it's like, so I didn't go that year because we went there instead. But like, even watching that and then having like, I was chatting to friends and stuff like that, and uh, you know, we were like, it was that community sort of feeling, even though like we're all spread around the country. Yeah, and it was like I thought download, <laughs> you know, they might not always get a lot of things right with like the weather and like you know some things like that, but. I think they absolutely smashed that weekend. I thought it was yeah, completely was amazing. They got everyone together. Yeah, working with what restrictions were in place to to put on that show and and drag people in from left, right, and centre. You saw like the the clips from Andy Coppin and the guys doing the cycle thing, and then you know the, the guitar stuff and the cooking stuff. Uh, it was just I, I really enjoyed it. You know, I I, I took the time. The sun was out. Um, I'd watch it on my iPad with a beer in the garden, and, and it was just nice. It, it's not the same. No, it's never going to be. But it was a little bit of something to yeah. take, what, 100,000 people's mind off it? So it's yeah. worth it. Yeah, it, yeah, it, really was, well. it was such a good... Like, I, I really enjoyed it. Like The thing is, like uh, I saw loads of people, like, you know, they had, like, um, like marquees set in their backyard and stuff like back garden. Yeah, they had, like, they had they merch up and things. stuff, didn't they? Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was like so cool that like to sort of see people all come together with that, and I think like that's one thing I think download really has is like that sort of uh, I don't sound cliche, but that sort of family sort of feeling. It's uh, yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. I, I remember like obviously like we'll move on to uh, the music side of things. Mm-hmm. I remember like uh, reading a um, article. Was, I can't remember which one it was, but I remember reading it. Obviously, you were a big fan in uh, in rock and metal. I was like, which was pretty cool. And then like one year, Nicola and I, my wife, we were sat watching a band on the main stage. And I think I actually tweeted this to you. And I sort of looked at, I was looking at um, you, because it was a day you were dressed up as a stormtrooper. That's right, yeah. yeah. And well, I was, I was, me, me and my boys, me and my lads, that. Well, I was, and all, all the guys that we go with, because they all came assists as well. Yeah. It was cool. <laughs> I've got a great photo of that. Yeah, I was like, I thought someone's dressed as a stormtrooper. I was like, just one because you had like a little like a plastic gun, toy gun. And then I looked at your face and I was like, you know, that's uh, Simon Woods. And then you walked past and I was like, oh, should I go and say hello? And I'm not going. And then my wife sort of looked and she went, and I went, yeah, it is. She was like, oh my God. (laughs) Um, And then I mentioned. It was such a good day that. We had a great day. Yeah, it's always like the way they do that with the. with the uh, the theme days of dressing up, and then I went back and told a mate because I've got a mate of mine who we actually uh, interviewed the other day. He's in a band that's played at Download, and his podcast has just come out today that we because we interviewed him the other day, and I mentioned it to him. He was like, oh, "I've actually been to his restaurant," and I was and he showed me all the pictures he took of the food and stuff. <laughs> he lives in Manchester, so he's like local to you. A small world. <laughs> I know, yeah, uh, but it was, um, yes, yeah, I, like, I mean, have you? How many years have you been going to Download? 
Uh, my first download, I've got to be honest, it was a late bloomer. It was 2016, my first one. Yes, me too. <laughs> yeah. so not not that long, but, you know, it's just the way that, that life went. It, that, that's that's how it, it, it turned out that I ended up going there with the right people at the right time. And, uh, you know, it's memories and stuff that I'll, I'll never forget. You yeah, had ba- baptism of uh, modern rain that weekend. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was definitely brown load that year, weren't it? <laughs> Yeah, because so we, uh, my first year was 2011, we actually went there for our honeymoon, because um, we were like, we didn't know what to do, we were like, I don't really fancy going abroad and stuff, it just wasn't like us, and I was like, what about download, always wanted to go to download, right, we'll get married on the 4th of June, and then that'll be our honeymoon, and then like, you know, once you've been there, like, you can only be there for about half an hour, once your tent's all set up, and you go into like the village area, and you're just looking around, you're going like, ah, oh, this is amazing, and like, the weather was like, really good, and it was, uh, yeah, it was a fantastic year that year. It was uh, Def Leppard, Lincoln Park, and System of Down were headlining. Yeah. Um, and it absolutely poured down on the Saturday, which was nothing to put like what 2016 was like. Uh, which I'm surprised a lot of people who said, oh, 2016 was my first year. And then they actually went back because of the, yeah. uh, the weather. Um, like, so what's the uh, best band that you've seen at Download? Like, is there any bands in particular sort of like stand out to you at all? Or? You know, I've got. There's different kinds of bands that you see at Download, I think. That's that's the first thing to remember. Um, we went, I think, I don't know if it was a secret set or not, but um, it was Fever 333. Mm. And they're, they're not my favourite by any stretch of the imagination, but the energy that was coming off that stage was absolutely mental. And as, as a, 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 an alternative, diff, like different kind of band, but... Um, the weekend with um, Guns N' Roses and Ozzy in the same weekend, for me, you, I think we had, you know, obviously Guns N' Roses, we had Ozzy, I think we had Alter Bridge. Uh, who else did we have? So so many bands that weekend. It, yeah. it was like, it, but that, I mean, I went to see Guns N' Roses in Cincinnati in 2016. Uh, was it 2016? I think it was 2016. Yeah. Um before I went to, it was in July, um, and that 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 was fantastic. It was my first time seeing him again. It was my fortieth birthday. Um, uh, who was it? Izzy Stradling played that night. They brought him out to All play, right. which nice. which was pretty mega that time. And I think Steve Adler was there as well. It was like they just got, it was like a, a freak one off, and everyone was there at the same time, and it was it was cool. But that night at Download. You woke up that morning, and I've gone like pimply thinking about it, now, <laughs> and you just knew what was coming. Um, and I'd seen them at the London Stadium the year before. Um, I got hit in the head that night. It was it was still a good night, but I got hit in the head. <laughs> Long story. I don't know why someone was very upset with me being me. Um, but that that night at um, Donington, if you like, uh, Castle Donington, with Guns and Roses playing for me was phenomenal and um, everything was bang on Ozzy the next day was bang on um, I had a massive cheese toasty which was amazing <laughs> <laughs> there was there was some there was something about that set when um Axel just walks down the ramp and he's like, You know who you are? You're a Donington baby. You're gonna die. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like that whole moment was like, ah, oh, this is this is it. This is like peak yeah. life at this point. That, <laughs> yeah, and that, that was the first time for my middle lad coming to watch Guns N' Roses. Mm. Um, and he'd been waiting for ages to come. But he was like it was like Christmas Day that day. In fact, for the week before, 
he was so worked up about this one day. But like I say, there's certain things and occasions when you can feel it. If you, if you ever walked out at Wembley um, or you've been to certain things like that and that day when you knew GNR were playing that night, you woke up in the morning and it didn't matter what you'd done the night before. It didn't matter how much you've had to drink, how terrible you felt. You got your T-shirt on and you just went straight back at it and nothing mattered. And it, it's a it's a once-in-a-lifetime uh, I, I, so thing. I don't think I've ever seen a crowd swell as much as it did. <laughs> like that over the, the two days before and after were obviously busy, but you could tell there was an influx yeah. of you know however many people had bought day tickets just for GNR, and it was just yeah. like, yeah, I, I ruined it for myself. I got absolutely smashed, Taylor, <laughs> really early, and at like two o'clock I was on the ground just <laughs> pretending I was a starfish or something. I don't know what I was yeah. doing, but um. I went to go see Parkway Drive and they sobered me up and then I stood there watching Guns N' Roses and gone to my friend going, that's, that's excellent. I just couldn't cope. Like, I was yeah. too drunk to even like cope what was going on. But Guns N' Roses were my first ever gig um, at Milton Keynes Bowl in 1990. What was it at school? 87 to 92. So it would have been, it was the summer of 92 or maybe awesome. three. I can't, I can't quite put the air on it. But that was my first ever gig. So it was Guns N' Roses, The Cult, Blind Melon and Soul Asylum. Nice. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that, that, that you know, my my first ever gig or baptism of fire was going on a coach to Milton Keynes when I was, I think I was about fifteen, <laughs> um, to to watch Guns N' Roses, and I've been the same ever since. Uh, you know, I'll never no, not go and watch GNR. Knowing gig prices at that time, you probably took twenty quid, got in for a fiver, and had beer buddy as well like <laughs> I wasn't enough to drink I can't yeah. <laughs> that, that download lineup though with, with, with GNR and, and Ozzy Osbourne will always be cursed for me because I remember I planned all year to go I was like right finally I'm going to go to a gig my stepdad's going to take me it's download like I'm like looking going on Google searching camping gear and stuff and like doing all my finances to see if I could afford it and everything and then it was like my my exam timetable came out. And it was like your last exam is on the day oh. <laughs> that you're meant to be going to download. And I was like, no, yeah. I, I probably oh, I've, <laughs> I've never felt so down in my life. But then the following year happened, and yeah, I got to see my favorite band Tool, and I got it in. That's bingo. <laughs> oh, did you see a Tool or a band? I just I've got I got every album because I wanted to listen to them and really enjoy it. And I just, I, I, I'm sorry, I can't do it. I just, Yay! Like, Someone's on my side. I, I, I just don't get it. I can't. I, I, I'm very eclectic in my music, like the metal music taste, more or less. Apart from like the stuff that we're listening to at the minute, I'm finding very difficult. Like Jaden and Twenty One Pilots, and like it's like listening to Radio One. It's like stop <laughs> doing metal music because you want to be on Radio One. Do it or don't. Is, is my dead honest opinion but I know a lot of people like it and maybe I'm just an old fart now I don't know <laughs> no we, we, we like to um, champion uh, exciting music so who are you spinning at the moment who's sort of floating your boat um, I don't know I kind of listen to uh, a lot of di- I, honestly I miss gigs more, more I miss going out for dinner but I miss gigs mm. oh, hugely hugely I miss I miss gigs and I've been going from like one weekend to the other where I'm just going on YouTube and finding different bits. And, uh, you know, on Saturday night, I watched um, Slipknot um, last year at download, sorry, a year before, the last download. 
and and then I've watched. I think mean, I like Nickelback. Not afraid to say it. <laughs> no. I've, I've watched them live, um, and then I've watched like going like Rolling Stones, and then Queen at Wembley, um, then Linkin Park, and all kinds of different things. Uh, Guns and Roses, Paris '92 is a favourite of mine, and you know, as far as new music goes, what what do I like? Like new, newish. Um, well, even just stuff that you've just recently discovered. Because that's the thing we like. Um, we recorded a podcast um, yesterday. We spoke about our twenty most important records of our individual sort of lives that we've had. And yeah, Andy yeah. confessed that he'd never listened really to Pink Floyd, which yeah, yeah. you know, and it's like these there's only things... a few of them that I can cope with though. It's too yeah. long and dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> there's certain things that just pass you by for whatever reason. You know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. It doesn't like. Um, yeah. I listen. To, you know, I listen to a lot of Kerrang radio. You know, Los. I, I like to class him as a good friend of mine. And mm. um, you know, I, so I'm, I'm doing. I've done some bits and bobs with them as well. Interviews about the the feeding families for thirty thing that we're doing. And you know, I listen to a lot of stuff like that. And whatever they play on there, I kind of like until it gets to that that genre where I don't even know what it what it is. Where it's like. You're doing metal and rock music, or your take on it, because you think it's cool. Yeah. But really, you want to be on Radio One. Yeah, so, I know the sort of uh, bands that you're afraid, like Twenty One Pilots and stuff. I, I know the sort yeah. of uh, the sort of thing you're on about. I mean, I'm not a fan of them personally. I know my wife likes them. I know my daughter hates them. Like my yeah. daughter's very. Uh, she's seventeen. What, what What does the room say? I mean, I I don't see them as rock and metal, but I expect. And I probably said the same thing. In fact, I think I did. I think I said the same thing about Linkin Park. And I love them now. Mm. I mean, that's the thing. 21 Pilots, they are very zeitgeisty in the sense, you know, they uh, a bit like um, Royal Blood and things like that. They they were a certain, when they broke out, they were the, the thing. A two-piece was the in thing. And for the record, I quite like Royal Blood. Um, I like Rob. I like Rob. Um, the, the, yeah. the new album's good. The new, yeah. the new album's really good. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's it's kind of trying to, like you say, break onto Radio One. But I think also Radio One is moving towards rock anyway. Um, you know, but you know, you say some bands do water their sound down to. So for predominantly, Andy's the more rounded all rounder. I'm the heavy metal guy who's like into the extreme hardcore stuff and Reese is like the young indie child <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, no, who likes really tool for some reason <laughs> yeah I, I like prog and like indie rock which is really <laughs> it's quite the contrast in it it's like from three minute songs that have like lyrically are just about the same thing over and over again <laughs> to like tool which is just like this massive rabbit hole of just nonsense. I think I'm, I'm pretty much set in my uh, my ways like, like Steel Panther, Guns N' Roses, Metallica, Pantera, a um, little bit of Sepultura, um, Europe, all kinds of bands like that. Um, you, know, you could go on and on, but you know Ozzy, Sabbath, Iron Maiden, Death Leopard. There's, there's like a, a core of bands that fit into to where I live. and that's, so, I, I don't differ. I like Shine Down quite a bit at the minute because I went to watch Alter Bridge. I took my daughter, Charlotte, she's in the next room, watching harry potter we yes. we went to watch um alter bridge um but shinedown was supporting mm. and i think uh it was before them raven age sounds Maybe. sounds about right 
Yeah, um, but she, she she like shine down. So I've kind of been listening to them a bit, so that I'm not just torturing her with the same old like vulgar <laughs> display of power or or whatever it is. So um, when when you're when you're in the kitchen, are you, are you having the music blaring out, or are you are you deadpan in concentration zone of of doing things? Service is service, so no music. Fair. Um, we we have an eclectic. Sometimes we let the chefs. Um, we have like a Bluetooth system in the kitchen, which depends how the, how the day's going. But mm. we'll pick three songs each, and we'll make an Apple Music playlist, and everyone gets a bit of what they like. Um, That's good doing it. And then obviously a lot a lot of my chefs are quite young, and they like listening to a lot of grime and stuff that just makes <laughs> my ears bleed. Um, so then I turn it off. Oasis is absolutely banned. Yeah. <laughs> um, don't care what anyone thinks from Manchester. Can't abide them. There's, there's no good to come from having that on in my kitchen. See, me, me and Matt are laughing because they featured in uh, in Reese's uh, top twenty most important album. <laughs> I can see why, and I can see how they're influential and things like that. But I, I just don't want to like them, and I never will. Oh, dude, <laughs> don't get me simple. So, don't get me wrong. Yeah, we have I... a mix of music, and then we'll go to like maybe we'll do some like one day we'll play. 80s rock and the next day we'll we'll play like Eminem gets a feature here and there Prodigy is another thing you know different bits and bobs like that so we we, we try and mix it up a bit but it's um, there are some definite rules well, when I when I worked in, in kitchens and stuff as as a um, chef and things it was we used to have uh, a lot of a lot of 80s used to go on because I, I think a lot of people like yeah if you're born obviously in that era and you had grew up yeah, in it, yeah. obviously you love it but I love the 80s anyway, so that was never an argument. But for some reason, we used to have Love Song Sundays. I don't know why this was a thing. We would find like the cheesiest ballad of love songs, put them on a Sunday, and just, uh, yeah, we used to get told of quite a lot by front of house, because we used to get told, they can hear you at the bar singing. And we're like, we're just yeah. enjoying prepping potatoes. Like, leave us alone. Like, that's what you got to do. <laughs> but, um, hey, one, I was going to say, one, one band that I don't know if you've heard of them is uh, Greta Van Fleet. Yeah, I've heard of them. I probably couldn't name you a song if I'm honest. Um, I know it when I hear it. It'll be one of those. Yeah, because they're, they're like a band who've got that older sort of style, sort of sound. But they're like, I mean, yeah. the, the the voice on the and they're like the, the uh, when they recorded the first album, I think like they were 19. And like you listen to it and you hear like the the lead singer and he's just insane. Like I've seen them live twice. The first time was at Download, and it's like it, that was 2000. And, I think that was 2018, actually, the same year that Guns N' Roses played. And, like, yeah. for me, that was, like, the best set of the weekend. Not because, like, Guns N' Roses weren't amazing, they fucking were, but yeah. I was that surprised by the amount of talent that these young kids have. Like, it just absolutely blew me away. It was absolutely yeah. amazing. They they get so much hate for being, well, what people call them, Led Zeppelin, basically rip-offs. But if you're ripping off Led Zeppelin and making your own music that's original... And it's not. You what, if you end up as good as them, you do alright. Yeah, ex- exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I don't really see the, the 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 negative really. Like for someone to bring that kind of music to the forefront, and if someone get listens to Led Zeppelin because of them, or vice versa, you know, it's, it's it's good for both, isn't it? Yeah, I I I I don't agree that people should be chastised for having role models. I mean, let's be honest. As a chef, who do you look to? You know, it's no different in music. It genuinely, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, like say, like um, I've, I saw them uh, a few years ago now at their own gig in Manchester. 
But I'm at the point now where, like, I'm seeing memories from last year, from the start of last year, where I'd actually... Because I did go to some gigs last year. I saw Slipknot, The Interrupters, and Bowling for Soup. I, I went to some... Slipknot and Steel Panther. Right, yeah, so, so it was mad to think, like, that we actually went to gigs last year. Yeah. But I'm at the point now where I'm not just missing the gigs. I said this on a, a podcast the other day. I'm missing... You know when you walk into a room, into the room, you've got... You're still in line for about an hour... You've got an in, and you just see the drums and the yeah. stage all set up. Like I, I'm starting to miss that part of uh, of going to gigs now. Or even after the gigs finish, and you're sort of battered and you're knackered, and you're like, there's cups all over the floor. You've got the people looking for the picks that have been dropped, and then like you know, people are just there. Like you've got people with their shirts off. There's a ripped T-shirt on the floor, yeah. and like, I'm at that point now where I'm missing that point. And then on walking back to the car, you know that like, it's just like. That I'm missing it now. It's like I'm missing the gigs, obviously, but I'm missing yeah. the the feelings, like you said. Don't yeah, like... it's, it's everything that comes with it, isn't it? It's like the arrangements to get there. Like we always, like me and my, I, I go to gigs with like my business partner and a, a, a daughter or, or son-in-law, and or, or I go with my my boys. My lads are all in their twenties now, so you know it's like we go to almost famous to get a burger, and then we have a few pints, and then we go over to the arena or wherever it might be the gig and it's yeah side of it is so much more than just the music mm. it's it's an event it's what you look forward to so. I, th- I think it's because humans are basically we're social creatures aren't we and that's yeah th- these are all very social things we're missing and you yeah. take that away from a human uh, and you know it, it can cause damage for 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 a long time yeah i think so yeah i can't I mean, wait to it starts again. um it starts when their tour announcement pops up on Twitter or Facebook, and then you tag your friends, and they go, "Oh, get us a ticket!" And then the Friday rolls around at ten AM, and you have that pang of anxiety. You're <laughs> you're you're in that might drop out just before it happens. And you just like, yeah, yeah. And then you, I've got a ticket, yeah. And then like from there, it's like six months worth of excitement. So, see, for it, me, it doesn't get old because the thing is, like, I mean, like, I suppose between all of us, we've probably been to like probably like a thousand gigs or something. But like for me, it never gets old. You know, when you're stood in that crowd, you've got the PA system blaring the music, and then all the lights switch off. Yeah, and then yeah. everyone screams, and then the, the you know the band's opening track comes on. I'm like, that's my turn to get goosebumps now. It's yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> and it's like and and you know, there's that thing of like whatever the opening track is and stuff like that. It's it's amazing, like that sort of feeling. You know, then that that's something that you know i pay my money for you know that's yeah. like half my ticket goes on that feeling when all the lights switch off how many and things in life give you that i know that's very true yeah yeah it's the thing is like we're all um all three of us are like big football fans and like i love going to football matches but i mean i support middlesbrough so i don't really get to celebrate it often but like i have to pay like 30 pounds for a ticket to go and see middlesbrough play and like, I'm not guaranteed most of the time. Uh, I'm not guaranteed to actually see something that I enjoy because yeah. it's like I'll, I'll come home. I think I've just wasted thirty. At least you've had some success. I'm an Oldham fan. <laughs> 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 but yeah, we uh, yeah. So it's like, but when you go to a gig, it's uh, you know, it's you, you don't get that feeling of disappointment that when you, your yeah. team's been scored against. You know, it's just uh, it's just always like amazing. And like, I've made some really good friends through music. Like you know, I've literally. Um, I mean, they, uh, all three of us have all met through like download. Yeah. So like both Matt and I, we uh, have our YouTube channels and stuff, and we sort of followed each other on there. And like you know, we none of us have actually ever met in person. I walked past Matt once, and that's because I left my camera in the car when I was meant to be filming for my my vlog. And I walked past Matt, and I didn't have time to speak to him. But like we've never actually like 
Well, me, me, and, me and Reese have. And I blame, oh, Reese has, sorry, yeah. I, I blame him for that hangover when I drugged that bottle of whiskey. <laughs> I'm totally blaming you for that because that was horrendous. I love the story of how I found you. <laughs> oh, yeah, so it was pouring down with rain and um, I went with my friend Adam and it was really funny. So there's a miscommunication between me and my friend Adam was I said, I'll take your tent. And somehow he misread that as we'll share a tent. And... Right. It was a four-man tent. You see when that happens. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, it's a four-man tent. And I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a larger lad. And he's only a skinny little runt anyway, so it's fine. But uh, it, we managed to get two single airbeds, like, tucked in together. And um, Reese, well, like, we and me have spoken for a long time via Instagram and stuff. And he said, oh, can I come sort of see you and stuff? I was like, yeah. I said, but I warn you, I'm not getting out of this tent. I said, it's pissing down the rain. Like, come and join us by all means. And, um, yeah, like, Adam went, like, stood outside. And he's like, it's, uh, it's Matt in there. And I was like, hello. <laughs> just, like, popped head out. Like, I didn't want to, like, uh, get out at all. But, um, no, it was, it was good. I, I do miss downloads. And I miss going to gigs. Yeah. I miss just being with friends generally, to be fair. But, um. Yeah, this this um this whole podcast so, it'll be soon. lockdown. Yeah, that's the thing. So um yeah, I can't wait till we all get back in person and we're gonna go find a shit gig at a shit bar and just get absolutely hammered and have the best time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, yeah um, something that's uh, yeah, it's uh, it's. So I don't think you realise how much you sort of in, like enjoy something until it's gone. I've always loved going to gigs and stuff. I've been going like since 2005, and then I always go with my wife and daughter because then we've all got the same taste in music. And um, yeah, it's it's one of those things where like you know it's just usually just us three going. And we've been to like you know we went to be going to see um, My Chemical Romance last year. We had tickets for uh, Creeper. We had tickets for um, not even just bands. Like you know we we had tickets to go and see The Sopranos. They were yeah. doing like a, a question Q and A thing, and it's like all that suddenly just went, and it's like oh we'll put it back to this point, we'll put it back to this point, and then it's just like then it's like all just sort of gone, and it's just so disheartening because it's that sort of thing of not knowing like when we'll get gigs back, and I like it's I think again we were talking to um, a lad the other day on the podcast that came out today. That first gig back is just going to be like the the feeling like you know of of what that's going to be like. <laughs> You know, it's just going to be amazing. Like, I'm, just, I'm so excited for it. It'll be worth the wait, I guess. But yeah, it's uh, I can't wait. I, any sort of money anywhere in the country, and I, I just need to go. <laughs> really selfishly, I want to go to a hardcore show with about thirty people in a room that's about three sizes too small. Uh, no stage, uh, just everybody like killing each other. That's what I want. <laughs> <laughs> just the sweat dripping off the ceiling. That's all I want. Um, we're about at that point where we're sort of about the hour mark, so I'm going to start to sort of round things off. Um, in terms of obviously, I'll throw to the boys if you've got any sort of further questions and things for yourself. Um, but we tend to ask our guests at the end of the podcast, what is your controversial musical opinion? Um, you said about Oasis, so that's. You know, it could be controversial, could be controversial, but um, what I will say is I said some truly horrific things about the Beatles, so I didn't actually air that opinion because it was like one of the first podcasts we did and Reese went, you can't say that or you'll get shot. Like, you get anywhere near Liverpool, you are going to get shot. So, um, yeah, what is your musical controversial opinion? Um, I'd like to see Nickelback headline download. I think they'd nice. be a good <laughs> yes. You're not uh, the first person to say that either, so on this podcast. No. So. <laughs> no, I, I mean, people can say what they want, but everyone knows the songs. 
you know, it, it'd be it'd be really good. I mean, we watched Def Leppard like headliner uh, download, and if we're on it, I love Def Leppard. It's great. Oh, I went to watch them on tour with White Snake, and I really enjoyed it. But for that night at download, it was a little bit. Yeah. It was a bit flat. And I think Nickelback would bring something to that, like that that particular that kind of band that that would would really make it like a bit more enjoyable. And you know, it, it's like a cult thing not to like Nickelback, and I have, I have no idea why. Especially when bands like Twenty One Pilots are getting on there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm, uh, I'm quickly realizing the more people I meet, the more I realize I don't actually think people, I don't think people don't like Nickelback. I think oh everyone likes them. I think they pretend they don't. Mm. Like <laughs> it's true. That's the thing. If every band was as good as Nickelback, we'd have a hundred Nickelbacks, but we don't. We only yeah. have one. And that's the thing. They've got, you know, <laughs> like they've got their they've got their ballads and stuff, and they're great for what it's worth. But uh, they've also got the the heavier tunes. Would you turn yeah, on the download? Yeah. Do you do you smash out animals? Um, you know, what are some of the, uh, burnt to the ground? Burnt to the ground is a banger. <laughs> yeah, you know, and then and then you play um, how you remind me. Um, I, you know, I've, I didn't go and see Linkin Park do in the end, but I've seen Linkin Park perform that song. You know, it's like yeah. it would be the same thing. Every single person knows that song. So, yeah, Andy Coppin. Yeah. I think booked. I think it would be like, that would be good. Is that controversial enough, or do you want more? <laughs> well, <laughs> you like, got more. No, yeah, that sounds good. I was, that's um, yeah. I don't know. I think you know. That, that that's a good that's a good one to start with. Going back to to bands that class themselves as rock, like Oasis, is a definite no. Um, <laughs> I'm from Manchester, and that's that's the scene. Everyone loves like Oasis and 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 the bands that that, that surround them. I live on the same street as Graham Lambert from the Inspiral Carpets, <laughs> so yes. you know I do like some Manchester music, um, but I don't I don't think that Oasis is up there with the 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 rock and roll thing that they pretend they might have acted like it but they're all the gear and no idea in my opinion <laughs> <laughs> that's their own um, Liam Gallagher uh, saying I'm the biggest rock star it's like you're the biggest prat of the planet that's what you are yeah. like, you know you are hilarious on Twitter but you are the biggest it's prat, funny but... that everyone who says that it's like him and Kanye West and stuff and you're literally like, they're, like they're... who's she <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so it's uh... I, I personally, I, I, I really like Oasis, but, you know, it's one of those things where there are a lot of other bands I'd listen to before Oasis, but I think if the mood's right and it's like a, in the summer, I don't I don't mind a bit of Oasis. Uh, they are a go-to karaoke band for me, to be fair. Like, I, like if, I, if I'm doing karaoke... Well, you don't have to be able to sing. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's, the one thing I, that's the one thing I don't understand, like... You know, again, being heavy metal guy doesn't like pop music, so shoot me. Um, but it's when you go to a, a club and you see people Reese's age, sorry, is Reese's age, going mental for Mr. Brightside, like they've yeah. like we've just won the World Cup, and I'm like, <laughs> how are you getting this passionate about this song? And it's the same with with Wonderwall at a wedding, and I'm like. Yeah. Why, why are we all? Why do we do this? Like, why is uh, yeah. it ingrained? I love Mr. Brightside. But I'm not gonna lie, it's a fucking as, <laughs> as soon as we're allowed social interaction on a large scale, I will cherish those moments from now on. Like, <laughs> I've oh, taken it for dear. granted for so many years, but now I will cling on to any sing along <laughs> of Wonderwall of Mr. Brightside. <laughs> yeah, it's true though. That sing along at a gig is epic, isn't it? 
Yeah, yeah it's not Mr. Brightside. <laughs> <laughs> well, they were meant to. Uh, the Killers were meant to be playing like at Middlesbrough at the Riverside Stadium um, last year, and they got. I didn't get tickets, but like, um, yeah, they, I know they were meant to be playing. That was like a massive one, like for like round here, because like, uh, we very rarely get gigs in Middlesbrough. We usually end up going to Newcastle or Manchester because like they're usually like the better like places for gigs. But yeah, yeah. So to get like we had take that one year. Uh, which obviously isn't like my sort of music. We also had like the Killers and stuff. So to have those sort of bands like locally were, was really cool. And then it just didn't happen. But then we also had uh, Radio One's Big Weekend back in 2019. And you had the likes of Little Mix and uh, Miley Cyrus and uh, uh, Bring the Horizon playing. And we went along and it was absolutely amazing. It was like, it was really cool to sort of see something like that in locally, locally to us. Like, um, I always think Bring Me put on a good show though. They're, they're good to watch. They won me back round. I wasn't a fan of them. I like Sem Paternal. I love that album, but I, I wasn't a fan of everything afterwards until I saw them live at yeah. Middlesbrough uh, the big weekend. And like then I was turned, I went straight back onto them then and then like their latest album or the EP they've done is, is really, really good. Yeah. Did you know who I had on the big weekend? So I'm from Norwich and I had Foo Fighters headline one night and Taylor Swift headline the next. <laughs> and I did not get tickets and I'm forever bitter about it. Like forever bitter. Either one of them would have been amazing. <laughs> oh dear. It's, it's actually annoying because the, the, the close, what's the closest place to me is Cardiff. And that's just a trek and a half for me. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't get to see many gigs unless I travel. But now I can drive and everything. Yeah, we say if I win the lottery, I'd move to the middle of the country, and then yeah. you've got like you've got like choices to go like anywhere you want. It's fine, like you don't have to worry about travelling because that's the main thing for like us. It's like it's like we're not back until two o'clock in the morning. But again, there's nothing. It's worth getting home. Like that thing when you get in from home, you're sweating, so you have to have a shower before you go to bed, and your head's pounding because of the music and stuff. And it's uh, yeah, it's uh, really starting to miss it now. <laughs> Yeah. I always have that fun thing where, because uh, obviously being, I'm from Norwich, so my closest like big city is London, and especially if you go somewhere like the O2, um, and the band goes, this is your last chance, I don't care if it's my favourite band, I'm looking at the door, going, how quickly can I get out of here, <laughs> so I can get back in the car, so I can beat the traffic out of here, um, and it's just, <laughs> it's the worst when you have to think like that. So, oh, I know, um, yeah. But um, hopefully if everything, you know, goes to planning is the right way, you know, Move somewhere, somewhere nice like Manchester, and uh, we won't have to worry about all that. And we just have gigs <laughs> on my doorstep, and it'd be lovely. <laughs> we have a great gig scene in Manchester. We're blessed with that. Yeah. So many good arenas and places to go and watch, like the Academy, the, the Ritz, and then obviously like the Cricket Ground and the big arena as well. So yeah, I love Manchester. We've been loads of times for like I've been there for work, I've been there for gigs, I've been there just like on a day out, and it's like I've. I've always loved it. It's uh, it's you know it's like it's it's very. Uh, I prefer it to like London and places like that. I just feel it's like a bit more. It's warmer. A bit more of me, I think. It might be wet, but it's warmer. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's. It, but I think that generally because it's at north because it's at northern as well. The people yeah. are nicer than they are in London. <laughs> um, and I'm a southerner, so I I know what like southerners can be like. I, I've always sort of thought when I moved up north, I was like, actually, I feel like I'm at home now. And I think that's what I like about Manchester is like it is like and uh, it is home to the best football club as well. So I'm not so sure about that. Just saying, it is. Though. It's not. It is. It is. I'm afraid. Yeah. Yeah. Love Manchester. Manchester's red and proud. Big <laughs> up. Little glory hunter. <laughs> um, yeah. Do you guys want to? 
finish off and, and, and mention anything else or are we no. any you want anything you want to plug Simon I think if we can just mention the feeding families for 30 hashtag mm. um, what, what we're doing it's you know it's we're, we're trying uh, I'm trying working with different people and fair share and food banks and, and things like that to give people with any means necessary it's not just about food bank food it's about people that have been furloughed and haven't got as much money coming in that um, have lost a job or I've only got a kettle to cook with mm. or I've only got a microwave and you know when you're a chef that comes from what I what I do to try and write a nutritious recipe made with only a kettle it's it's a challenge but it really makes you know, like, for me I'm saying that's a challenge you know it's mm. it's not you know it's a challenge having to get up and cook like that every day that's exactly. a challenge and you know the the, the thing that we're, we're trying to do at the minute with the Feeding Families for 30, and yes, I understand the irony of it being on a website, being on social media. That's why I'm working with food banks so that they can download them and th they tell me what they've got. I write the recipes for them. They put it in the bag with people that haven't got the means or whatever it is to use social media or even the culinary know-how to, to cook the, I mean, the ingredients that they've been given. And it's, it's a real... It's a shit state of affairs, it is, and it really it, it pisses me off, and it should do everybody. And the minute it starts to piss everybody off as much as it does me, then the country won't be in that state. And there's a lot of us trying really, really hard to make a difference, but it needs more people to acknowledge it, because when you delve into it and see what people have to work with, what ingredients they've got, and, and things like that, and that's why we all laughed about the, the, the cottage pie toasted, but you know what, if you've... If you've got enough money to make a cottage pie, but you take three tablespoons off every person, you can feed them for another day and they won't notice. Mm. So yeah. it's little bits of know-how like that. And it's tasty know-how. And yeah, it, it's achievable. So there's all kinds of things that I'm working on. But if we if we can just give that like a real bit of attention, um, that, that would be that would be lovely. Yeah, definitely. If you um if you send Andy all the bits over on email or whatever, I'll put it in the show notes of the podcast yeah. so all the links and stuff will be there for people to to click and things um yeah it's been an absolute pleasure simon thank you so no, so much for Very gracing much. our for gracing our tiny little podcast um yeah, yeah <laughs> really really appreciate it yeah it's been yeah thank wonderful. you so much um we're gonna do the famous fake goodbye that all podcasters do so we're gonna <laughs> say goodbye to the listeners and then we're gonna carry on just for a quick sec just to go for some uh when this podcast coming out that kind of stuff but um Cool. Thank you so much, everyone, for listening. Um, thank you, lads. Thank you, Simon. We'll see you all soon. Bye. Thank you. <laughs> Bye. Bye.